This is the Blockade Podcast with your hosts, Chris and Jared. You are listening to the Blockade Podcast. I am your host, Chris Freebus. Joining me as always halfway across the world, Jared Morgan. Hello there. It's a bit later today. I see a lack of light beaming yeah. into your room there. <laughs> well, it's still it's still daylight outside, but um, my house has a distinct lack of light in it. Uh, <laughs> we, yeah. we, we don't have a whole lot of, I don't know if it's, but we never we, have extremely well-lit rooms. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah, if it's on the if the rooms are on the wrong side of the house, you don't get any light, and it just sort of like uh, um, gets uh, rather, um, yeah, dark. <laughs> uh, you know, and I mean, usually there's plenty of lights running inside the house, but once you get into the evening, uh, yeah, it turns out you need a lot of lights in order to light up a room, <laughs> and we just yeah, never bothered sure. to purchase a lot of lights. You know, we're we're happy with lights in our working environment, and then I have a big old TV to light up the living room. So, what do I care? <laughs> well, that, that's true. Yeah, quite true. <laughs> oh, gee, what happened since last week? Hey, you know what I did do, um, um, which is kind of you fun. Do? I um, I actually um, I went down. You know how I was talking last week about missing out on Star Wars. Um, playing in yes. the world. Well, I thought, you know what? I, I'm just going to go. I just really felt like playing some pinball. And so I thought, you know what? On Monday at lunchtime, I'm just going to go down to Netherworld and have a, a drop a few dollar coins in and have a bit of a, have a bit of a play. And, um, so I go, cool. Got an Uber yeah. down the road and, um, got there and place was shut. And I went, uh, huh? what, what's going on here? So anyhow, I sort of just went, Oh, I was going to send Netherworld a message on Facebook Messenger to see what was going on, and and then I saw the truck roll up with a whole lot of Daytonas rolling out the back of it, um, and I was going, "What's going on here?" So anyhow, the couple of the operators I know were rolling in these Daytona twins, and um, Jimmy Nails, the guy I was talking about there last time, who was a tournament director, the owner or co-owner, yeah. he was there. And I said, "Did I get my days wrong? Are you always closed on Mondays?" He goes, "Ah, oh, yeah." Today we are because we've got a setup for um, the um, Netherworld Speedway event that we've got coming up. So they get they basically got two Daytona Twins, and okay. they've they've linked them together. And today they're running a Daytona tournament there all day today. Wow, um, which is pretty cool. Like they've done these like um, custom little um, pins for them as well, with like this big monster in like a Daytona stock car. Uh-huh. Um, with all the like, tentacles coming out, it looks so good. Um, and anyhow, I thought, well, geez, that's no good. And he goes, oh, look, do you just want to, like, the bar's not open and the restaurant's not open, but do you want to just come in and play some pinball? I said, oh, yeah, that'd be good if you don't mind. So I went, okay, sure. I snuck in and uh, started dropping some dollars um, into the machines. And uh, yeah, so I just had the place myself, really. Nice. Um, it was really nice. It was nice of him to let, let me in. Um, and actually just let me play because, you know, I'm there all the time for the tournament and he knows me, I guess. So I was lucky there. Yeah. But um, it's it's very interesting playing in a place like that without any music going and without right. any sort of you know, general trade happening. Yeah. And it was really, really good. They had a fun house there and um, this thing was very nice. It was all LED'd and uh, they had it cranked up oh, so, nice so nicely. It was pumping out the sound. It was great. And um, it was brutal. 
um, it took me a good four or five coin drops to get the the feel of it. Yeah. Um, and uh, once I got into it, though, it was really good. I found that um, the way you lock the balls on this one, I think that was missing something up there, perhaps like a piece of rubber or something like that, because if you shoot the balls up there and they just pop straight out, they don't actually get held in there. Oh. So you had to do fluke a really soft shot up there that just dribbled the ball in. And then once I got that ball in and it was in the trap, I was then able to like slam other balls up against it and they would stay in there. I was able to get multi-ball. Um, so once I got multi-ball rolling, um, that was fine. I did terribly in it. <laughs> Because, because it's, it's hard to do multi ball in fun house. And yes, it actually is hard to do multi ball in fun house. Um, I was having all sorts of trouble with the timing on the uh, the yeah. cellar and the uh, sorry the the trap door and and all that, trying to get the uh, the million shots and stuff. But I did get a few million shots. I think I got a score of up to about five million on it, which um, on a real one is. N- Pretty good, I think. No, I mean, so, the, the replay on a real one is usually, what, 7 million, I mm. think? Oh, and that was, always, that was always tough to get. Um, yeah. Because I think, I, I think it was 7 million, and, like, Whirlwind, I think, was 3 million, and, the, mm. and that was tough to get. Um, yeah, that's right. I mean... You've really got to know what you're doing on those games to actually get the score up high enough for that. And Funhouse, um, in particular, is a table that if you can master that half flip so that you can hold, you know, cradle a ball uh, and still flip the upper flipper. If you can do that, you can, oh, you can run the table much, much easier, but it's so difficult to do. I mean, you're, it you're is difficult to do. Your brain just tells you mash all the way in, mash all the way in. But like you said, that multi ball otherwise is a pain in the butt. It is big time. Um, so, that was really fun to play. I enjoyed the hell out of that. I actually haven't, I didn't actually get the chance to play a fun house when it was new. So I think that was probably my first real good go at a fun house okay. in real life. Um, so yeah, it was great to actually get a go on that. And it was a beautiful specimen. Very, very well kept. Um, nice. All the, all the plastics were nice and white and um, nice and clear and very, very, very good. Um, and what else did they have? They had a, a taxi, but it wasn't didn't want to take my coins. There was a problem with the coin validator on it, so I just moved. I didn't want to bother the guys as I was setting up, so I just basically went, okay, what games are working well, look okay, yeah. that's fine, and I just got on them. Um, some of them, I think, still had a little bit of dirt left on them from um, the, uh, the Pinball Masters, so I left those ones alone. They probably, I think Mondays might be closed, so they can actually go around, do maintenance on them and clean them. Um, so I moved on to Creature from the Black Lagoon, which is my nemesis at Netherworld. It, it's just such a, it's so uncomfortable for me to play. I really just can't get in the groove of it. And yeah. I put a, maybe two or three bucks into that and it was just frustrating me. So I just walked away. I went, no, nope, this is just terrible. I just am not cut out to play this game. I'm just cutting my losses and I will just assume that it's going to be bad. It's really Can't wait funny for you to cycle out. Put it that way. Even in TPA, I'm I'm really good at creature <laughs> in Pinball Arcade. Although I don't know, I haven't actually played it since mm. all the all the retuning uh, mm. or played it a lot. So I don't know how much differently that affects it. But I was really really good at it, but I never enjoyed it. And it was mm. one of those that I played purely because 
I could post a gargantuan score um, and yeah. kind of zone out while playing it. But it wasn't uh, a table that I particularly would was like, yeah, creature. And so whenever I play it in real life, I think all the things that I don't care for become ma- you know hugely magnified because it is not an easy table to play in real life. And so it's like there went the one factor that I was enjoying and in comes all the other factors that just kind of bug me. (laughs) Mm. I think that's the same for me too. Like in in essence, there's nothing wrong with it. No, but for some reason I just, I just can't get in the swing of it. And um, it frustrates me because they always pick it at the tournament and I always hate it. So I went right. I just cut my losses, and I went. No, I'm going around to the front room. In the front room, they've got Adam's family. They've also got uh, transporter. They've got Ghostbusters and Twilight Zone in the front room. Plus, I think they might still have Trident there um, as well, which is an old stern. Um, and so I thought, oh, you know what? I always have a bad time on Ghostbusters. I'm going to use this time just to chill out when no one else is around and just get my head around this game. And it was nice and loud as well. I was actually able to hear the soundtrack on it for the first time probably ever. Oh, okay. um, and I've got to say the soundtrack is actually really good on it, but you <laughs> never get to hear it because Stern don't have headphone ports, do they? Yeah, so no. that's really, that is really frustrating. So, um, yeah, definitely would be nice if we could actually get headphone ports that were a standard feature on Stern's. But anyhow, going back to the game, the first game I played was actually pretty good i managed to oh no the first one was about well about a hundred thousand uh, not a hundred thousand hundred million um and i sort of got a bit of an idea more about how to get you know like the the multi-ball lit and the importance of that captive ball with all the stage balls in it um that's quite important on the pro um so I sort of had a bit of a feel around with that, managed to get a replay. So I thought I'll start up another one and see how I go. This one, yeah, it really clicked for me. I, I had a really good game. I got containment multi-ball. Um, I had a really good run with the ghosts, um, got a fair few jackpots and managed to get uh, $256 million on it, which is pretty good. And the good thing is that it was also a, um, a special limited edition pin, pinball machine. So because I got 257, I qualified for a Slimer pin. Nice. Um, So I'm going to have to collect that at another time uh, because I didn't want, again, I didn't want to interrupt them because the bar was closed. So I'll pick that up probably this week sometime, um, which is really cool. Um, And then I had a go of Adam's family, and I think it suffered a fair bit from Prison Pinball Masters. There was a whole lot of general illumination out on it, and it just felt sloppy. Um, so I think some probably some work needs to happen on that one, but I'm sure that's probably on the cards for it. It probably needs to be taken off and uh, given a good service because I noticed that the uh, thing flip, um, that flipper bat is all smashed up um, underneath, so there's very little actual plastic bat holding it. It's just basically rubber. <laughs> so they might need to replace that mini flipper, I think. Um, so that was my adventure on Monday. Um, I'm curious. So, uh- I mean, out of the tables that you mentioned and everything, it, it kind of brought to my attention. Of all those, I love playing Adam's Family. I always have a good time on, even when I have a bad game. Um, mm-hmm. And it's a table that you can have an absolutely terrible game one game, and the next game you you know 
get multi-ball like almost instantaneously and have a fantastic yeah. game. Um, yep, true. And and I've always said it's just an incredibly likable table in general. Um, you know, the callouts, the the table flow, uh, the look of it. I mean, everything about it just is imminently playable. That mm. being said, then a lot of people love Taxi. And I don't get the love for it. I don't know. It just Maybe doesn't either. grab me at all. Mm-mm. It's a horrible game to play in real life. Like you have to, <laughs> it is, it feels like you are absolutely battling with every inch of your life to get even a score over 1 million on the, at least on the table that's at Netherworld. And it's a well-maintained table in good condition. And it is just a struggle, and it's just unrewarding. It feels. Well, I don't. I also don't really enjoy the shot selection. I mean, ap- apart from the ability to, you know, alternate ramps, left, right, left, right. There's not much else on the table that I really enjoy shooting for. I don't care to shoot the drop targets. I don't mm. enjoy shooting all the way up. Uh, you know, to the top of the table to collect, I don't know who is that Santa up there or something. I can't remember. Um, yeah. I don't like the ball locks, you know, with shooting though. There's just, I don't know. It's, it's to me, it's a very awkward layout and I, mm. I get no satisfaction from it, but then I talk to other people and it's their favorite table. I mean, they absolutely love that thing. And there's guys that I know that own it and they're like, Oh, I would never get rid of taxi. I'm just like, okay, <laughs> I'm not a convert. Like the, I've seen guys. In fact, <laughs> the one guy I saw playing actually owns it um, and has leased it to Netherworld. But he, of course, being the owner of it, knows the intricacies of it, and he knows the point at which you just shoot it off that flipper to get that um, pinbot lock, and yeah. he knows you know all the things that you need to do to actually do well in that game. And that's the thing. Like you actually, or you would almost need before the tournament even started for me. I would need at least twenty games on that to get my eye in so that I can go right now I'm actually able to go and have a convincing game on it. Like right. I just, it's just one of those things that it's like, Oh, I've got to have time on it. And I don't, I mean, and, and this extends to pinball arcades version too. I just don't, I don't have the love for it. Um, it's one I of those people. tables that I just don't ever select to play. I think, you know, in comparison to the one, at least the specimen I've got access to at the moment, that it's just so woefully easy in Pimble Arcade. It is just oh. so unrealistic. It's difficulty. Like, you sh- every time you shoot that lock, it should actually feel like it's at risk. Yeah. The, the ball's at risk because it's, it's a really on the tip of the flipper shot. And... Like it, it, it gets everybody when they're in there. Like I, I see people playing it there. A lot of them are flat out getting um, you know, seven or eight hundred thousand on it at the one at um, Netherworld, and you know they're just going. I just don't know what to do on this table to get scores. Like it's just everything is not working. Um, yeah, it's just like I. That's another one that I'd be very happy to see go, and go back <laughs> into the man's collection again. Because it's just it, it infuriates me that and creature of the black lagoon can go die in a fire. Um, so yeah, it's interesting. Also, um, me being a Lawler fan, I don't really care for Twilight Zone. Oh really? You don't really yeah, dig it? I 
again, even even in person playing it, I don't get excited when I see it. You know, when I walk into a room and I see, you know, the row of pins. Mm. Um, there are certain pins that, like, if I see Medieval Madness, I'm like, oh, okay, I got to go play that. There, there's no no way I'm not playing that. Um, yeah. But when I see Twilight Zone, I just kind of go, mm, nah, you know, I'll play it maybe. <laughs> it's It just doesn't grab me. Uh, and I don't know if it's... Mm. I don't know if it's the theme necessarily or if it's there's just too much stuff. And and that's kind of mm. weird, but um I don't know, I can't put my finger on it of, of why that one doesn't really grab my attention. And yet, like I said last week, I played Dialed In. That has a ton of crazy features on it also. I mean, probably has more stuff than Twilight Zone does, but it grabbed me immediately. So, yeah, I tend to, well, certainly at the moment, like when, when they get rid of those Daytona cabinets, they'll actually get the pinball machines back on the floor again, because it's taking up a whole row of where pinball well, yeah. machines would go at yeah. the moment, which is pain in the ass. Well, like, you need to place a store um, in my house. Uh- <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they'll just ship them overseas to you. Uh-huh. No, um, I meant your house. You know, uh, it's, you know, by you. Yeah, that's right. I'm much closer, much yes. closer. We'll be happy to help. Um <laughs> So, yeah, once they get the pinball machines back in, I'm thinking they should probably get some um, Wizard of Oz back in, which means that, you know, I will probably be down there a lot um, playing that with headphones. Um, <laughs> yeah, for sure. But at the moment, it is Daytona City. And that's great because four-play Daytona is something you don't really see that often these days. Yeah. Um, and if you've got a big group of mates who love to play a bit of Daytona, then it's fun. Although, you know that Daytona USA has been released again. Um, they've actually got the new version of Daytona in the arcades now. Okay. Um, it's basically got the three original tracks plus a couple of extra ones uh, in there with the same physics engine. Um, but uh, to date, I've not seen them on any arcades here. Um, although, I granted, I probably don't go into the big commercial arcades anymore because all they are is skill testers and video games. Yeah, I don't care for that. Um, but um, yeah, I I don't think there's been as huge a take up for it um, as it was in the nineties, mainly because the arcade scene is in decline. So getting a big like eight player row of these, I remember you know these used to be like you know eight deluxe fifty inch cabinets lined up in arcades that took off pretty much one whole wall. Um, and they put them there because they were a license to print money. Like it was. Well, think, you think about it back then, uh, linking, playing a linked game was, that was the only way you could do it. You know, most people weren't having, yeah. uh, internet was not fast <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. We're talking 26 K modem was like, woohoo, you know? And yeah. if you, you could have a LAN party, but the graphics weren't amazing and you know getting that many people together with your computers was a task in and of itself. So yeah, yeah you go to you go to an arcade and there's these racers that you totally enjoy playing and you get eight buddies or seven other buddies and yeah, really, really good time. Shoot, I used to have fun just doing the two two cabinet uh playing uh with my friend. Mm-hmm. And doing you know various kinds of race games and that was that was a lot of fun and it was it is when you think about it, just a completely novel experience back then. Now it's 
you know, so ubiquitous that any game that you get on console is going to, you know, be linked to other players. That's just a given. But mm. it was, was by far it was like online. back then. Yeah. Online or like collaborative players now are standard, not an exception. So, yeah. You know, and I'm sure that the cost of one of these setups, because I think the the way they do them now is they have like every twin has like a screen above it that shows you what's going on and shows the leader and all that sort of thing. So there's a, there'd be a lot of money that you'd have to invest as an arcade owner into like a twin now. Yeah. Cause and, they're trying to make it a spectator sport. Mm, and in an arcade, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's what you want. You want people to walk in the door and all they see is this thing. But, you know, I think in a lot of other locations, the floor space required for that, type of setup is it's pretty limiting so you know a lot of the barcades that are opening up now like they don't actually have a huge amount of room for pieces no. like that so you know and the, the footprint of one of those things is big like a pinwall machine is big enough but one of these things is you know it's it's like two or three machines or two or three games in size exactly so, and right off the bat that means you're you're the exchange is, hey, I could have three or four alternative machines going that people mm. can play, or I can have this one game, you know, with these cabinets. And put all my eggs in one basket. Exactly. And basically put all my eggs in one basket. Rather than having, gee, you know, I might have three opportunities to earn a coin drop here. Yeah. But in this way, I only have one. So it's a tough sell for Sega. I, I really do like I would love to play it. I would love to get into an arcade that has one and drop a couple of bucks in, although it probably would be something like four bucks to play down here. To, for them to actually make their money back, um, yeah. which I think is actually what the going price was back in 1990 uh, or in the 1990s, like for the deluxe ones, I'm pretty sure it was like four bucks a play here uh, in Australia. I think so, it was probably a, I think it was probably about a two dollar coin drop. Two dollar game. I yeah, I reckon. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it was expensive because they were big pieces of equipment. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I don't remember. Because I'm, I'm trying to think, when it was just basic arcades, I think the most expensive games were a buck, but that was when, you know, uh, most of your pinball machines were 25 cents, and mm. some of your new ones were 50 cents, and that was like, ooh! But then, yeah, you'd step over to these things, like, oh, man, a buck! Dang! I could, that's you know, killing me. That's, that's four games on Mortal Kombat, you know? <laughs> it, it, was, yeah. it was... That was the exactly. kind of thinking that you had to go through. Um but when it mm. went into, we have a place called Dave and Buster's. Um, it's kind of a chain yep. of. Do you have Dave and Buster's there, or are you familiar with it? I know what I know what Dave and Buster's is. It's like a fast food chain, right? Um, it, no, it's not fast food. It's a restaurant. Uh, their big claim to fame was that after eight p.m. or whatever, it was adults only, and you know, bar was oh. open, and there was good. You know, quality restaurant. I shouldn't say good food, but it was, uh, you know, full on quality. You could get a steak kind of, you know, restaurant or whatever. And okay. then you yep. could play pool. You could play video games. You could do, you know, any number of these things. But that was the whole idea was, hey, let's get rid of the kids. Come and play with, you know, your fellow adults. But that's when the prices, you know, jacked up mm-hmm. on these things. And if you go into a Dave and Buster's oh, now, really? now they have like, Hey, let's play Connect Four on a hundred foot, you know, not hundred foot, a ten by ten foot screen. You know, it's these gargantuan arcade 
things. <clears throat> and they're basically, it's almost like being on a set of a game show. I mean, that's kind of the vibe that you get yep. now. And if you, mm-hmm. if you think about the, you know, the game show, the price is right. Uh, again, I don't know if you're familiar with it there, but everybody here in America, you yep. more than familiar. It's that size of games. It's giant wheels and giant everything. You know, and it's more about the crowd. Big, big scale it's, things. Yeah, and it's more about drawing a crowd over to watch mm. than it is about your enjoyment playing, truth be told. Mm-hmm. It is. It's a spectator sport, for sure. And they were the first yeah, place so that I, I remember know. going to that did the credit card. You went, you uh, loaded up a card, yeah. and then you you know, inserted the card. And the thing was is that the the prices were all funky. It would be like... Well, a dollar fifty-seven. No, but they wouldn't use prices. That was where it was where it was killer. It would be spend oh. twenty bucks or you know spend ten dollars. Well, your card now has twenty credits on it, and then games would be one point five credits. And I mean, it, would, it basically oh, made it so that you could. It made it really difficult for you to do the math in your head of how much you were actually spending, which is genius yeah. because they don't yeah, want yes. you to know how much you're spending. <laughs> Yeah, like everything is one point two five, or like one point seven five credits. That's and inevitably, dirty. <laughs> that's really dirty. Inevitably, you'd wind up with not enough credits on your card to play anything. Yeah, yeah. And what what is your alternative? Well, I got to go load more up on the card. Uh huh. Yep. Odd pricing it's, makes it's you a very, Yeah, it's a very uh, Las Vegas casino way of getting you mm-hmm. <laughs> to lose your money without realizing you're losing your money <laughs> for sure. Yeah. So I guess that was, that was me last week. Um, it was fun. I think I will definitely go this week. Hopefully that will have cleared out. I won't go Monday, <laughs> but um, otherwise I might be helping him um, unload a whole lot of Daytona's in my lunch break. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I but was maybe uh, uh, Friday next week. I was uh, working, <laughs> you know, and I don't know if this, uh, tell me if this just shocks you or whatever, but uh, I just, I happen to have my, my stub statement here in front of me and not this last week. Cause I don't remember how many hours I worked, but the previous week, 64 hours for the week. That's pretty long. Yeah. You know. That's 24 hours more than I would normally work in a right? working week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we were having this discussion. Yeah. In you the- were in that. Yeah, we were having this discussion in the van ride uh, for, uh, on Friday coming home at uh, two in the morning um, where everybody would just kind of went, could you imagine working in a real job? I mean, like not a real job and uh, a regular job. And everybody's like, oh, my God, yeah. a cubicle job. Kill me. <laughs> and we all have the same sentiment where I cannot for the life of me imagine going to the same place every day at the same time. And sitting in the same spot, looking at the same little walls and same screen. And it's, I don't know. I don't know how people do it. I honestly don't. <laughs> well, it's sort of one of those things that, as one of those people who do exactly that, um, yeah. <laughs> I can say that there's, there's, you're not always looking at the screen. Well, it depends on what sort of job you're doing. If you're a developer, yeah, you probably are. Yeah. But because I'm a product manager. Like I'm walking around and I'm talking to people, I'm having conversations and, mm-hmm. you know, I'm doing a lot of sort of like, what would you call it, meta work that's not like sitting in front pumping things into a computer. It's more like yeah. not really networking but kind of is. 
it's building relationships and stuff like that. So yeah. it's sort of, it's different. Um, it's still inside a building, but I guess it's not so much in front of a screen. Well, what's funny is that uh, there's been various times when we've gone on locations and shot at, you know, cubicle farms, essentially. And inevitably, because you're standing around during the take mm-hmm. and you're starting to look and you start looking at people's cubicles and the little world mm-hmm. that they've created for themselves. And just, it, it is fascinating because you can almost immediately tell who this person is. You know, if you, right. stare at, if you stare at it long enough, just the little knickknacks and the little pictures that they have and, you know, how they post their notes. Because then you look, you know, you go one cubicle over and it's completely different you know, how that person, but then you also notice the similarities where everybody has the same desk and the trash can is in the exact same spot and the file cabinet is in the exact same spot. And, you know, it's really just kind of like, wow. Um, You know, and and, it's funny. You see some cubes that are very bland and very minimalist. Um, And then you see some that are like full of vinyl figurines and full of all sorts of random stuff and like posters of things and anime posters up on the things. And, you know, it's very bright. Some cubes are really bright and some cubes are just really, well, very, I guess, matter of fact. Yes. And they're there. It's business time. They're there to do the business. So, well, and and what is, (laughs) it's interesting too, because, so last season I was on a show that uh, we only went on location three times total. Everything else was on the st- same stage, or well, we had two stages, um, but always on the, the stages. Uh, we practically were going in always at the same time every day. So it was almost giving me a taste of what that was like to always go at the same time, always go to the same location, you know, same commute. Uh mm-hmm. But then once you step foot on the stage, well, we're, it's always shifting, you know, where we're filming, what we're filming, mm-hmm. uh, where your carts go, you know, everything is constantly in flux that way. But where you, you know, we do have our, like, you know, every department has their carts that, you know, stuff is loaded up onto. And mm-hmm. there is personality to that kind of thing because people put bumper stickers on their carts. Oh, okay. And so there becomes that kind of personality. And then there is what I do, which is I wear these t-shirts that always have, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm that guy. And so the show that I'm on right now, it's started getting where people are seeking me out to go, oh, what shirt are you wearing today? Because they want to see All what right. it is. And so That's I cool. guess there is, I That's guess it's, it's interesting that you wind up, you do want to display your personality to people in some way, shape or form. Uh, mm-hmm. but like you know, I'll, I'll almost always. No, well, yeah, it's it's tough if you know if you're used to the outdoor, but like you know, doing what you do, um, and the constant variety of stuff, then yeah, it would be hard to actually switch to cube life. But you know, um, uh, it's a little bit like that for me too. I'm known as the pinball guy at work, right? Because you know, actually, no, I'm actually more notorious for my coffee skills. Actually, it <laughs> I've um I've actually the the go to guy that people come to if they're having trouble with the machine and don't know how to use it, they'll uh-huh. come to me and I'll show them how to make a proper espresso um with it. And so much so that we've had so many new people start um over the last uh, month or so that I've actually made up a um a little instructional um <laughs> poster but using memes. So yeah. I've actually done like a, a meme poster about um for example one of the things I said is that um, 
is your um, stretch milk looking more like, is it? Is your stretch milk screaming when you froth it? You know, if you, uh, in a cafe and you hear that yeah. noise and they're actually screaming milk, it's bad if you ever hear that. Um, go to another cafe. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so if you hear that, it's like, yeah, let a bit of air in, mate, is what I said underneath it. And then I had another frame saying, um, uh, why is it? Why is my coffee coming out like a waterfall? You haven't packed it tight enough, tight enough, mate. Put a bit more coffee in, and stuff like that. And then my, the last frame of the poster is: so how do I use this thing? And below that is like, see Jared Morgan. See Jared. <laughs> see Jared Morgan. <laughs> and I'll sort you out. Oh man! And I try and pick people up. I try and pick people up when I hear them doing crimes against caffeine. And the kids just say, right. hey, you know what? There's a better way of doing that. Do it like this. And uh, that's my that's my way of getting in and showing them how to use it properly. Yeah, yeah so I'll, I'll give you an example of the uh, kinds of things that uh, that we did this week, uh, or in terms of location work. We were on location the entire this entire last week. Um, mm-hmm. Let's see, we were at a school for an entire day, uh, filming various high school type things. We were in a in and around a hotel and a bar which is really difficult to work in because these places are still open. Well, like the bar we shut down, but the exterior was a giant courtyard and you get information like, okay, but none of your equipment can be here. Okay. So where does my equipment get to go? You know, we have these large carts. I mean, just our, our department alone has six different carts and these are all probably four to six feet in length. And, uh, and so it becomes this, okay, where do we hide this stuff <laughs> and still be able to access it to work? And, yeah. then, and then you do hotel work where the hotel is fully open and it was, you know, it's, we were in downtown LA and it was a nice hotel. And so you don't want to disrupt the guests because the hotel doesn't want that. And then they tell you, okay, you need to go up to the 26th floor and you only can use yeah. this one elevator. And you've got every department trying to jam their carts into the elevators. And then you get up to that floor and, okay, we're shooting 360 degrees. Oh, great. So where do we hide all the stuff that we just brought? <laughs> and then and then, and then, then we go down We do go down a couple of floors because we're going to be shooting in an actual hotel room. And uh, they give you, you know, they rent out practically the entire floor. And so all the departments have their own room that they can, you know, shove their carts in and that way they're not disrupting the guests, um, you know, in that, in that fashion. But now every time you need a piece of equipment, you got to go out of the room that you're in, go into the room that all your stuff is in, bring it back into the other room. But nobody wants that because when they ask for something, they want it immediately. So you bring your own little pile into the room, but then every single time they change the camera angle, Oh, your gear is in, in the shot. So now you got to move the gear, but you're also it's, and it's lights that are moving and flags that are moving and your camera equipment that's moving. So everybody's doing this little dance. And so that's where it's never the same thing twice on yeah, any given nice. day ever. <laughs> so it is, it's, it's weird. Great. Always shifting sand. It's always shifting. It's, it's, it's a weird, and yet we find our groove and that's, that's the fascinating thing mm-hmm. about, uh, I guess about any work environment. You know, everybody finds their groove and finds their their downtime. And well, I shouldn't. I haven't been able to find any downtime on this show, but uh, <laughs> except the evenings when you go and play pinball. Oh yeah, that's happening. Sure. <laughs> mm. my, yeah. my my evenings are literally drive home, go to sleep, wake up, go to work. 
drive home, go to sleep, go, you know. <laughs> so in the weekends, you get a chance to do anything? Uh, in theory. In theory. That's if they don't have you working on the weekends. Uh, fortunately, mm. not working on the weekends this time around. But uh, yeah, uh, it, it it's that's where I become envious of the cubicle life, actually, where people have a life. Yeah. You know. Where where you have an eight hour day, we're going. Oh, hey, we still got six more hours to go. <laughs> yeah, I think that I'd much rather have a little bit more predictability in hours and um, variety in what I see. The thing is, though, that you know, depending on the job you're in in Cube Land, it can actually be different type of variability. So, thinking about a new feature that you want to implement one day, and that involves research and a different thinking than what you would have to do if you were like helping a team deliver a product and actually help them be in the team and communicating with them and unblocking roadblocks for them and getting information they need and things you would do depending on what role you're taking on the day. Um, and I think that is a little bit like, you know, moving your camera equipment around and making sure that you, you know, you've got to roll the punches because yeah. I think we do that a fair bit too. So I think it's just a different type of variety. That's all. Different type of variety. Although you get to do a lot more sitting. <laughs> no, I don't. I've got a standing desk. I stand all day. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. I stand all day. I don't think except I, I mean, lunch. Except at lunch. Then it's the next time to sit. And there you go. Well, see, that's that's what suits mm-hmm. you for pinball because you're used to standing then. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I don't go to enough pinball tournaments that actually require me standing for eight hours a day, though. So I'm not using my <laughs> skills gained at work. I'm not using my training um, that my hours I put in training. Need to, we need to have a uh, Le Mans of uh, pinball, 24 hours of straight pinball. Yeah, or well, no. I think Can they actually did that at Netherworld. They, had, they actually did that at Netherworld. They had like an 18-hour lock-in, and it was like a tournament. And if you managed to stay the course for the whole time and actually not like tap out. You got a, uh, you went running for a trophy actually. Um, (laughs) It's pretty cool. Someone managed to do it. I tell you when I, with that first time I went to the pinball hall of fame, I played pinball for eight hours straight and Mm -hmm. my forearms by the end of that eight hours were just throbbing and my, my my trigger fingers, I could I couldn't flex the fingers in. They were just yeah. they were stuck. <laughs> it's like I had to do whole hand slaps to, to get the to push the button. Yeah, that's oh. <laughs> brutal. Yeah, it's rough. Like if you're not used to doing it, or if you don't have a pinball machine at home. Yeah, you know, like if you go to one of these tournaments that runs for a long time, it really it, it does really get to you. It's like anything, like you're still using muscles. You may not be running a marathon, but you're still using muscles all the time. Yeah. I'm not going to go mm-hmm. so far, folks, as to say pinball is athletic because God knows it's not. <laughs> no, you're not going to lose a lot of weight um, with pinball, particularly if you do what I do and have beer and um, also have like bar snacks. Right, there. right. Um, in fact, I think it's probably a weight gain activity rather than a weight loss activity. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's fun, so that's okay. Yep, it is fun. Well, hey, folks, uh, we're going to call it short this week because, as you can tell, we didn't. Uh, there was nothing really to talk about in TPA, and I didn't play any pinball this week. And no, you know, we, Jerry did. That's week, what we talked but... about. So there you go. That's what happens some weeks. Some weeks we blather on and on and on about pinball, and other weeks uh, we kill time and you get a little bit. You get a lot a of filler bit, and not, not much lot. killer. <laughs> 
Mm. Yeah. Oh, there's a bit of that, you know, I classy netherworld stuff is a bit of filler, like a bit of killer. Um, <laughs> so that was, that was good. Um, having, you know, my limited ability to get out and do location pinball. I think every time I go out somewhere, it's almost like a, an event for me. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, Let's I think, I think uh, yeah, we, we shall wrap this up. Hey folks, why don't you, uh, why don't you drop us a line at our email address, blah, blah, blockade at gmail.com. Tell us what you would like us to talk about, especially for days like this, when we're kind of uh, sorely lacking <laughs> basic pinball talking, because we can BS mm. with the best of them about a lot of this stuff. So let us know what you want uh, us to harp about. We will do that. Visit our website, blockadepinball.com. Hey, Jared, I did it correctly that time. He did. And there you can find all of our past uh, episodes as well as links to websites that we mentioned. You can follow us on Twitter, highly recommended. At Blockade is the show's Twitter account. Or you can follow us individually. I am at Shut Your Traps. He is at Jared Morgs. With that, we shall bid you adieu and we'll catch you all next week. Bye-bye. Yep, see you later. Wizardamusement.com, the site to visit for custom pinball shooter rods. Easy to install, totally unique. Mention Blockade Podcast for 10% off your order. Wizardamusement.com, sales, restoration, customization. Don't forget to leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast hosting service that Blockade is delivered to. We can't improve unless you tell us how. Now stop listening and play some pinball.